I, I, I maybe I did play just a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative in your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> Oh, welcome back to 88.3 WQTs. After further review, we tried this on Saturday, and the audacity went a little haywire. So now we're back at it with the 2019 NFL Mock Draft with David Kuyper, the original. Couldn't get Frank McShay on here, but we got David Kuyper. So we're going to go through the 32 picks of the NFL teams. Like I said, we tried this on Saturday, and the audacity kind of messed up. Couldn't get it on for the show for you. So we did a podcast only. So we're kind of doing a, a whoopsie redo. And make sure you always check us out on 88.3 WCTs after further review Saturdays. 11 to 1, sometimes live. We'll have the live feed for you. Or on our podcast on WHT's After Further Review on SoundCloud or just After Further Review on iTunes. If you have an iPhone, subscribe to us, give us a rating, and then every time you subscribe to us, we'll pop up a new episode. It'll pop up on your iPhone. And like I said, give us a rating so we can get more followers and listeners. But now, on the mic and up at the podium, David, the man of God, Harris, he has risen on Easter after falling down on Saturday with the uh, incomplete mock draft, or also known as David Kuyper. What's up, David? Not much. Part two. Got me a little bit of time to even change my mock draft a little bit. How? Over 24 hours, kind of get new research, new details, kind of talk to some sources, use your insider knowledge, push Uh some things up. So even though... We know kind of the original mock draft and then we try to do Saturday. Maybe a little different. It could be. Well, Saturday was like this. <laughs> That's basically what Saturday was. <laughs> a complete fail. But we're back at it. And we, we we bounced back from it. So, uh, David, you, you ready for the mock draft? Always ready. Cardinals up first, I believe. Uh, yes, they are on the clock, and I mean, it could have been some changes within the next day or so. I don't know if there'll be a lot of of, of changes though um, within a day. But then again, you never know. But when, since David was already locked and loaded and ready, number gave, one overall him, pick, we gave him a little bit of applause here. Uh, but let's get this thing started with, you know what the deal is. Here's the, well, actually we'll hold on a minute as we got to wait for the uh, commercials from YouTube to be playing and then we'll skip the ads. And now we go. So now, as you know, we always do this every year, the NFL mock draft. And with the first pick, the Arizona Cardinals are up. And what are they going to do? And we're going to listen according to... 
David, the man of God, Harris. David, what do you think the Cardinals are going to do? This is arguably one of those we all saw coming months ago. The Cardinals select Tyler Murray, quarterback, University of Oklahoma. He's, I think he's 5'10 and 1 fourth, while Russell Wilson was 5'10 and 3 fourths, I believe. He weighs 210, and Russell Wilson weighs 207, and he has a smaller hand than uh, Russell Wilson. But can he have at least the slightest career of Russell Wilson? Remember, Russell Wilson, I believe, was a third-round draft pick. This guy is number one overall. Can he be a franchise saver? And what does Arizona do with Josh Rosen? I think in terms of the NFL comparison, a lot of people are going to make that comparison first with Russell Wilson because he's the more recent draft pick to be at that size. A lot of people are going to say, well, Baker Mayfield last year, but Baker is a little bit taller, a little bit more kind of bulkier and in terms of his playing style. Tom well, Murray is more likely to scramble out the pocket. But they both played Baker. at Oklahoma and, and won Heisman's, right? They did. But I, I think in terms of kind of the run second option, I think Kyler Murray likes to look to run a little bit quicker than Baker does with the scrambling ability. And I think if he could have a Russell Wilson type career, I think that's his trajectory. I think comparing him to having a can have a Drew Brees career is probably doing a little bit too much just because Drew Brees was so consistent or has been so consistent throughout his career, even though even he was kind of seen as kind of uh, diamond in the rough when he was first drafted by the Chargers and then traded to New Orleans and then had his success. But I think Tyler Murray can be the franchise quarterback that the Kingsbury won, and it makes Josh Rosen, at least for this season, a valuable trade asset. There are a lot of teams that are looking for a quarterback for the long term. You have this same situation coming up in 2020 with Tua Tagovailoa as him possibly being a top quarterback in the 2020 draft. And so if you're taking Kyler Murray this year, is it going to be Tua next year, or do you want to kind of go with that prototypical uh, pocket passer kind of quarterback that Josh Rosen was in college and then we saw glimpses of it in his rookie season in Arizona? So the next pick goes to number two, the San Francisco Treat. Who do they pick up? The 49ers. Yeah, the 49ers going to surprise a lot of people, probably shock some. I have them taking Josh Allen, the defensive star, or the best defensive player in college football from the University of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people are saying, Bosa, well, what about Nick Bosa? He has a pedigree. You know, he was a stalwart for Ohio State. And for me, I'm recognizing and thinking as a DM the injury concerns that allowed him and forced him to basically sit out this entire year to protect his draft stock. Meanwhile, Josh Allen was on the field dominating offensive lines and quarterbacks this entire season and taking Kentucky to an unprecedented success in terms of football with a top 25 ranking that no one would have anticipated coming into the season. And so... When you're picking top four, top five, you want the best overall player and no better than the best defensive player in college football last year. Mm. 
Okay, yeah, that, okay, nice. Number three, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. They got Sam Darnold, but who do they get this year? This year they go with B-O-S-A, Bosa, Bosa, Bosa. So you think they're going to get I, Bosa, okay. I do. I, I think when you're the Jets and you're looking to rebuild, kind of you start with Darnold, you're trying to get younger on that defensive front, and they spend a couple draft picks shoring up that defensive front sub, and I think Nick Bosa add some valuable pressure to not just help that Jets defense but then also be another corner piece that the Jets can use moving forward in this rebuild as they try to be that second-best team in the AFC Next, the Raiders. Mayock and Gruden told guys to go home. Yeah, and... The crazy thing is, kind of, you don't hear about that, even though sometimes it happens during kind of Easter weekend, you know, go home, spend time with your families. It's understandable. But I think the rationale of Mayock and Gruden not trusting their scouts when, one, the scouts have been there longer, and two, May- at least Mayock in particular has shown really not the best talent evaluator. Really? We've talked about him over the years, kind of with some of his comments and commentary regarding certain players. And so it's like, yeah, I'd rather trust the scouts who are pretty good at their job. And, you know, they've they've been working for years. They know the game. And Gruden, with his power struggle and kind of, I don't want to say abuse of power, but kind of putting his foot down like, hey, I'm going to be here 10 years. Let me do things my way. So it's Oakland being Oakland. And with Oakland being Oakland, they look to the defensive side of the ball, and I haven't taken Quinnen Williams, the defensive lineman from Alabama. Wow. Okay. Well, talk a little bit about the Raiders, though. Can Gruden and Mayock bring them back? I mean, some people are saying maybe a quarterback. Is Carr going to be the same? You know, what's going on here? I think kind of because the way that Gruden in particular came in, and got rid of their franchise's best player and their team's best player until Leo Mack, I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And so now, with the year under his belt, seeing how poor they were, especially getting pressure against other opposing team quarterbacks, now it's like, okay, well, now you are the guy. You said that, hey, we want people that embrace the black and gold. You bring in Antonio Brown, kind of, controversially, depending on how you look at it, and we've talked about that on the show. But now it, it's a matter of, okay, who, how are you going to rebuild that front up, and how are you going to make people inspired to want to put on the silver and black? Like, this is not the first go-around when John Gruden was running rough shot kind of through the AFC with the early 2000 Raiders, late 90s, early 2000 Raiders. This is the whole new generation, and the Raiders are kind of where they're supposed to be in terms of their draft stock. They're one of the poorer teams in the league. And when you have a coach that came from the booth down onto the field, it takes a while to readjust. Like, you can be the greatest person in terms of calling plays out and being a coordinator, being a play-by-player caller, but it's a whole different story when you're the one drawing up the plays, organizing everything, even if you have coaching experience. So I think moving forward, it's going to have to be a whole restructuring of the organization to where, 
okay, what does putting the silver and black one mean? And it starts with being physical up front, which the Raiders hadn't had. If it means getting a quarterback this year, then get a quarterback. I've heard some rumors where Gruden wants to trade up to the number two overall pick, which wouldn't make sense, but, I mean, again, it's the Raiders. At this point, nothing makes sense. And it, yeah, it, it almost is like once they thought uh, uh, Davis Davis passed on, and some of his uh, unpredictability, the Raiders are still in the same spot. And not to mention, they'll be leaving uh, Oakland to go to Vegas in 2020, I believe. Which, as you know, for like five or six weeks, they're not even home. One of their home games is in London, and then after that, they're like on a four or five game road uh, road uh, trip. And it's kind of like they're trying to soften the blow a little bit that, you know, they're kind of getting the Raiders weaning them off of Oakland. So it'll be an interesting year in 2019 for them. They're kind of like in the lame duck year in Oakland. Up next, Buccaneers at five. Yeah, another lame dunk franchise. <laughs> Although not the exact similar reasons. It's more of their defense just stinks. And when your quarterback is or was Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was, one game, six touchdowns. The other game, six interceptions. You really don't have really much of an offense. But again, I think they address once again defense, and I haven't taken Devin White, the linebacker from LSU, because last year, statistically speaking, I don't think I've seen or any people saw a defense that was that bad. Like they were giving up points left, right, and center. You turn around, you blink. Oh, another touchdown. And it just becomes, okay, what are you going to do to figure this out? After that, this is going to be an interesting pick. At six, the NYG, the New York Giants are the realists. Do they get a quarterback to sit at least behind Eli Manning for a couple seasons? And this is another team where, kind of like a lame duck, you kind of want to wean off of Eli. I mean, not a bad quarterback, but... His prime is past him, obviously, and you can't be just sitting there holding on to him forever. Yeah, and I think logically speaking, I have him taking Dwayne Haskins, mm-hmm. quarterback from Ohio State. I don't think a lot of people would agree with the Haskins pick because Eli Manning was a part of that 03 draft class with Big Ben and Phil Rivers. Rivers. And so it's kind of, yes, you have the success, but you got rid of your primary receiving option in Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, you have Saquon Barkley, but he can only do so much. Yes, he was a rookie sensation, but year two, now the teams have a tape on him. Maybe they start to slow him down just a wee little bit. Do you trust Evan Ingram as tight end? Do you trust Sterling Shepard to now be your number one receiving option? There's just a lot of questions, and it calls for if you're going to rebuild and trade away Odell Beckham Jr., which it seems like you don't want to say, like they don't want to say that they're rebuilding, but they're rebuilding. Yeah. So just do the full rebuild and get rid of the quarterback. Let's start from scratch. Because <laughs> the longer you delay your rebuild, the more often you're going to just be in the cancer wheel of, yeah, we, you know, we're not bad enough to really tank, but we're not good enough to be competitive in our division, which is already so-so anyway. It's, Frank Vashner would say hot garbage or diarrheal water or something like that. But you're right, yeah. And the New York fans are kind of getting a little fed up with it. Either we're competing for championships, 
or at least for a division title, not just this mediocreness where uh, we're going to get maybe between four to six wins a year. It just that's just not cutting it. Up next, yeah. Oh, go, go, yeah. What are you gonna say? Yeah, I, I just think kind of at this point, if you are expecting to be an eight and eight, seven and nineteen going into the season, then just pull the plug at this point right now and say we're getting a quarterback, we're doing a rebuild. We love you, Eli. We'll let you ride out into the sunset, but we we need to do this for the sake of our franchise. Mm-hmm. Next, the Jaguars. Your uh, second favorite team. Adopted team, and I think now that you get big money to Big Nick, you want to give him a little bit of protection. And I haven't taken Jawan Taylor, an offensive lineman from Florida, because you have to protect that investment. But well, both him and Leonard Fournette, who is your offensive weapon at this point. So, sure up the offensive line. Maybe the defense can get out of its own way a little bit so that they can get back to being one of those top 10, top 15 defenses that were lethal and dominant a couple seasons ago when they were making their deep playoff run. But yeah, it all starts from up front. Up next, Frank's favorite team, the Lions. And here, I kind of have it back and forth. We talked a little bit a couple weeks ago about kind of my original mock draft 1.0 where I had them take over Sean Gary Frank had mentioned Montez Sweat as kind of being a better player. But considering Montez Sweat, Montez Sweat, you know, hard condition, he's dropping down boards, and I would agree with the fan. So I'm going to stick with my original pick of having Rashawn Gary, the edge rusher, offensive or defensive lineman, versatile player from Michigan. I just think he fits in a variety of places, provides the edge rush that you need. And it makes Detroit better in the trenches where they need to get pressure on the quarterback. And maybe it's just they have to build through the draft since they gave all the money to an okay quarterback. Yeah, that, that, is, that is true. Stafford, you said an okay quarterback. He's not too bad. I mean, he's, he's middle of the road. He, I mean, he's not going to be middle of the road. So you don't think he can lead them to a championship? Some people call him Glassford because of his injuries, but you got to admit he's got the talent. I mean, he, he has the talent. He has the ability. He's basically Matt Ryan before Matt Ryan actually went to the Super Bowl. And I think if he can win a playoff game, like, I would feel a little bit better. Like, I would say he's, you know, above that middle-of-the-road pack. But in terms of the conversation, do we even start anywhere higher than the third-tier quarterback? Right now, like that—that's where I see him at. Like at his very best, elite level, he's third tier. True. Up next, can they circle the wagons for Buffalo? The Bills at nine, and they will. And this is where the highlight warrior, the combine freak of nature, the one point nine percent body fat DK Metcalf. Congratulations, you're going to Buffalo. And his dad is Eric Metcalf, right? Yeah, so... And I seen him on Hey Rookie, welcome to the NFL Draft. He took the picture at Ole Miss. And I believe Shea Patterson was his quarterback for a few years. And uh, He was. And uh, they showed that picture of him uh, being ripped, and uh, it went viral. And he almost, I mean, he looks unreal. 
But once again, he also has a concern of injuries, though, too. Yes, and kind of looking not just with his injury concerns, but then his production while on the field at Ole Miss when he was on the field. Yes, he has a big playability. He averaged, you know, double digit yards per catch in college, which is great because you're, you know, your big play deep threat ability. But are you going to be able to do that same thing in the NFL where guys are bigger, stronger, faster? And knowing your injury history, and because you have little body fat, like one big hit, like that could be scary. It could cause you back to be in that injury cycle body. And so kind of being this athletic freak in nature, having muscles on top of muscles, yeah. like is, is that going to help you at the next level when all the guys have muscles where they need to have muscles? Right, and and, I, and that's what I worry about too. The muscle strains and keeping them out, and muscle pulls, and I I I, I like the, the the combine and all that stuff. He looks like a pretty good football player and a really great receiver. But once again, the longevity is what I'm afraid of, and muscle injuries are a lot tougher to come back from than I would say even. You know, maybe breaking a bone or something. You know, you break the bone, you, you, you put a cast on it, it heals, you're done, you're all ready to go. You know, hamstring injuries and muscle strains, they last a long time. And, then you know, they linger. And then not to mention also early on in camp when it's, when it's, when it's hot outside. I mean, luckily he'd be going to Buffalo where it's a little colder maybe during the season. But is he going to have problems with muscle strains and stuff that's that's what i'm kind of worried about is this going to be an ongoing thing and as you get older it's harder to recover from some of those injuries especially i mean Dwayne wade even said it when he was playing basketball you know you get a muscle injury you're out for a while so this is something that buffalo should think about but then again though in the nfl if you can get four or five productive years out of someone i guess that's really successful uh but uh, best of luck to them if dk Metcalf does go to the bills number 10 the broncos then we're going to run out of top 10 on the defensive side of the ball. I'm taking Devin Bush, the linebacker from Michigan. There's a lot of conversation of whether they go cornerback here to share up their secondary. I've seen Greedy Williams go here at this position. I've seen DeAndre Baker go here. I've even seen them kind of some mod drafts. They, they go tight end and go TJ Hawkinson from Iowa to give Joe Flacco a weapon. But I think... Because they've been so dominant with their front seven, and we've seen as the draft over the past couple of years, I think just assure up that linebacker position, get another weapon that you can plug in there that can learn from this dominant defensive front, and yeah, make Denver just that much better on defense. Hmm. Bengals at eleven, Marvin John or Marvin out of there. Now. Marvin's out of there. Well, finally, I think. <laughs> but, you know, the Bengals are a cheap organization, but I've never seen an organization really st- – I mean, that's good for loyalty considering nowadays in pro sports. You could be the hottest – look at Dwayne Casey win Coach of the Year and then get fired and, and, you know, still go to the Pistons and they're hobbling around down 0-3 in the playoffs. But Marvin Lewis, whew, I mean, he had some ups, some downs, and never won a playoff series, and he was there, what, 16 years? But now, you know, they're on a new kick. No cash in the checks, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> cash in the checks. I don't know. No hate here. But who do, who do the Bengals go with? 
Yeah, the, the Bengals have had a lot of issues at tight end, more specifically Ty Lifer just can't stay off the injury table. So I'm taking TJ Hawkinson, the hot prospect tight end from Iowa. I think it's a plug-and-play, go-to-a-position-of-need, gives Andy Dalton another weapon. I've also seen the Bengals go defense here to kind of share up that linebacker core, replace Vontez Perfect, who's left for Oakland. But I think... More than likely, they'll go with the tight end and keep it, keep that tight end away from the team that precedes them at the number twelve spot. Uh, number are we at number thirteen? Number twelve. Twelve. Sorry, twelve. The Green Bay Packers. The G Men. It's like I like to call them because I call them the G Men, but they've been really dominating. Didn't win the division. New coach McCarthy's out. Rodgers, a lot of people don't like him, think he's arrogant. Where do they go with this? And how much longer does Aaron Rodgers have in the tank is the question. But they're at number 12. Some people think they might win the division next year. And, and I would be one of them kind of early, way too early predictions. I think the Packers make the playoffs. I think really? Minnesota takes a step back. And I yeah, think okay. they take Minnesota's <laughs> spot. Okay. Yeah, in Chicago, you, I mean, you never know. Yeah, you never know in Chicago. That's why I don't get my hopes up. But I, you know, I think kind of to keep Aaron Rodgers young and kind of keep him playing at an elite level, I think they go with an offensive weapon here, and I haven't taken Hollywood Brown from the University of Oklahoma, Antonio Brown's cousin. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. <laughs> and I know that you're not the only one that's done kind of the Kind of is his personality going to be the same, especially looking at the personality of Aaron Rodgers? And I think that's a valid concern, but I think in terms of production on the field, like if we're looking at who Aaron Rodgers' weapons are, you have some young running back who, okay, you have some running back, that's great, that's nice, but then we're in a passing era now of the NFL. And so outside of Jimmy Graham, at tight end, and then bringing back Mercedes Lewis, like who was, like who has been the primary number one wide receiver option? Like outside of Green Bay, most people are like, "Wait, what about Jordy Nelson, who was played in Oakland last year?" And so I think get a big play wide receiver that can build some rapport, build some chemistry up, and with Aaron Rodgers, and give him that another. Or that weapon that he could use to kind of be that Jordy Nelson, that Mr. Reliable for Aaron Rodgers, and get Aaron Rodgers back to being kind of Mr. Check, Mr. State Farm, you know, Super Bowl belt. Mm-hmm. Up next, the Dolphins at 13. I'm the Dolphins taking Daniel Jones, the quarterback from Duke. I hear a lot of reports out of Miami say this is going to be the year that they tank for Tua trying to get kind of a high draft position for the 2020. But I think kind of knowing that you have a stopgap year with Ryan Fitzpatrick this year, why not draft arguably the number two quarterback in this year's draft, according to some scouts, in Daniel Jones, and allow him to have a year underneath his belt, build up, um, a rapport with that offense. You have a new coach, a new GM situation in Miami. 
it's a why not start afresh, knowing that you're already thinking about rebuilding for the future. And I think out of the quarterbacks that are left, Daniel Jones probably has the biggest upside. And I would even say his upside is bigger than that of Dwayne Haskins if he were to go to the Giants. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of his play style and what Miami is used to in terms of being under kind of Ryan Tannehill area. Hmm. Up next, the Falcons. I'm the Dirty Birds sticking a little bit close to home. Now I'm going Mac Wilson, the linebacker from Alabama. You got to get pressure, especially in that division that's high-powered, considering the Saints when they're on their game. Even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, have a game or two, and then Carolina when they're clicking offensively. And so you got to get pressure up front. And it starts with the linebacking core, which has been a weak spot for the Falcons in recent seasons. And they're looking for more production from Vic Beasley in particular. And I think it's plug and play, get a linebacker, call it a day. Hmm. Redskins, 15. And I have Washington going off the quarterback, and I've been taking Drew Locke, quarterback from Missouri. A lot of people are saying that he may go as high as number 10. I just don't see it. Like, I understand, you know, he's got the hype. And by the way, John Gruden and John Elway were, you know, boggling all over him, saying, oh, he's the quarterback of the future. I just think in terms of what Washington needs right now, knowing that they have Case Keenum, who is, he's just cashing these checks at this point. He's getting big money. He's going to wherever they send him, and he's like, yeah, I'll play. I'll play okay, and I'll just get this more than okay paycheck. But I think knowing that Alex Smith, he brought in, thinking that he would be the temporary guy, he got hurt, and doing that rotation of, hey, he's still in the NFL with their quarterbacks. I think, again, similar to Miami, get the young quarterback, build him up, and allow him to be your franchise quarterback moving forward. Hmm. Casey Keenum collecting checks. Panthers at 16. And here, this is all about, again, quarter, thinking about quarterbacks, this time protecting the quarterbacks that you have. And we all know Cam Newton takes hits probably more than Big Ben Roethlisberger. And every game, it's, you know, he's being clothesline, powerbomb, speared. And so I think to protect him, I think the Panthers go Jonah Williams, the offensive lineman from Alabama. I just think got to keep your quarterback upright because if Cam goes down, as we saw last year, the Panthers, I mean, yeah, you can give the ball to Christian McCaffrey 35, 40 times, but is that going to help you? Not really. And if you can name the backup for the Carolina Panthers, congratulations. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think he knows. Like, like off the top of my head, I can't name the quarterback the backup quarterback for the Panthers. I mean, at this point, they're all Jake DeLone. Let's just go back to mid-2000. Ooh, Jake DeLone. Ooh, at least they made it to the Super Bowl with him. Think about and, it. And that's, a, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people are saying, do, you, do even the Panthers go quarterback here? It's kind of thinking about Cam Noon being banged up. Do you go quarterback either first round, do you trade off, maybe day two, think about getting a backup guy. So, I mean, quarterbacks are going to be plenty, especially 
knowing Cam Newton with his shoulder injuries and how is he going to recover from that and just the way that he plays, like, is, are his days numbered? Yeah, that is true. He, the accuracy and not to mention he majority of his game to be effective is running. And that is a concern. I mean, he is somewhat of a superman of a human being. He's a big quarterback, but you can only take so many licks. Like they said, running backs can take so many licks in the NFL. And uh, we'll see what, how he goes. Number 17, the Giants are up again. Yeah, and here I think the Giants addressed the defensive side of the ball because they lost so much, including one of their better players in Olivier Vernon up front. And so to replenish that defensive front seven, I haven't taken Jeffrey Simmons, defensive lineman from Mississippi State. Because if you're going to sure up your offensive side of the ball and think about quarterbacks, for the future and rebuilding, you definitely have to also rebuild that defensive line, which thinking about the Super Bowl years, it was more about that defensive line putting in work in the Super Bowl, making Tom Brady nervous. And then, you know, Eli Manning gets all the credit with the passes, even though it's more Dave Tyree, the first one. But yeah, you got to sure up. If you're going to rebuild, rebuild. Mm-hmm. Vikings at 18. Yeah. I had the Vikings taking a familiar name to the diehard college football fans from, like, that stuck around past September. I've been going Ed Oliver, the defensive lineman, stud from Houston. I think similar to the New York Giants, kind of just thinking about the division that they play in, if you can get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, you can make him nervous. If you can get pressure on Matthew Stafford, we know he's turnover prone. And then if you can get Stafford pressure on Mitch Trubisky, I mean, you know, he's young enough. He's going to do something crazy every once in a while. And I think addressing kind of just the pass rushing and the interior pressure that Ed Oliver can bring to an already stout Minnesota Vikings defense, I think that makes them that much better to continue to challenge for the top of NFC North supremacy, which could just make that entire division kind of maintain its status as one of the toughest in the NFL. Hmm. Up next, did we do the Vikings? We did. Tennessee Titans at 19. And here the Titans continuing on with this theme of defense and getting pressure. A lot of the Mock drafts and a lot of reports that I'm seeing and a lot of just inside sources are thinking they're going to go defensive line here just to continue to add pressure. And I've been going to Dexter Lawrence, the defensive lineman from Clemson. Again, thinking about kind of the New England Patriots brainchild kind of coming from that era. If you have a good front four, a good front seven, you can make pressure happen. And we saw Tennessee in those games where they were dominant and they did surprise teams. It was part of their defense, knowing that Marcus Mariota is injury-prone, knowing that offensively they do struggle. But if you can get pressure up the middle, that alleviates your offense just enough to, hey, they only need to score touchdown, maybe two. And they can, if their defense holds steady, and I think Dexter Lawrence can add to that defensive kind of 
rejuvenation, kind of we saw a little bit with Harold Landry last year. Up next, your favorite team, your number one, the Steelers at 20. Not, not to rant too long, but we if we go for a linebacker, I'm going to go to the South Side, to the Steelers complex, and personally fight somebody. What? I think I think if we go linebacker, it's kind of basically just kind of a band-aid situation. Yes, kind of we're all hoping Shazier recovers well, but is he going to play again? Most likely no. Do we really do we really need a linebacker? It'd be nice, but that's not our number one concern. Do we really need a wide receiver? Yeah, that'd be great. In a couple mock drafts and conversations that I've had, some of them think that we should go wide receiver. But is that our biggest need? No. We can, you know, day two. Then in the third round, we got three picks. We can get a wide receiver then. There's plenty out there. I think for me, you go best available player at the position that you need, which is cornerback. Because speaking as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I'm sick and tired of our cornerbacks getting burned, getting beat, getting embarrassed week after week after week. And some people say, oh, it's young. You know, they're just young players. They're developing into their own. Like, either you, you got it or you don't. This is the big boy league. And so, all saying all that, I'm taking the best cornerback, Greedy Williams. That's right, because you said Hayden is getting old. Yeah, and, and Hayden is getting up there. He's not the all-pro caliber that he was, like that we saw in Cleveland early on in his career. Is he still a top cornerback? Yeah. But he's, we also see it from Joe Hayden. And, you know, as wide receivers get smaller and faster, can you keep up with you? You know, can you keep up with these guys? Mm. And thinking just particularly in this division. Like, Cleveland has Odell Beckham Jr. now to pair with you know, Jarvis Landry. Is Joe Hayden going to stop OBJ? Because if we're thinking one-on-one, that's the matchup. Mm. And as a Steelers fan, I'll say OBJ is probably going to win that nine out of ten times. And, and that's just the honest. And so if we can get a corner in there that can either – kind of you take that number one position or at least, you know, be a solid number two that can develop into that number one, I'll be happy. But we need to address the secondary right here, right now, because if we're going to, you know, do the stairway to seven thing and get to the seventh Super Bowl that we've been waiting for and been talking about, it starts with our secondary. Because Killer Bees ain't going to, you know, we have one killer B left, and he's not the one that people want, mm-hmm. or at least I don't want there anymore. So, gotta gosh up our defense. And Greedy Williams, best cornerback right now, I think he'd be a perfect fit. Up next, the Seahawks. They just paid their quarterback who had to go on social media with three chains on with his wife in bed and make the announcement. What do they do here in number 22, or next, excuse me, 21? Well, first, they're going to try to see if they can get Russell Wilson in a late-night smooth jazz talk show in Seattle. Because if he can keep that, if this is, you know, if we knew he had this, you know, radio personality voice, he should be doing post-game interviews or, you know, post-late-night jazz, you know, D-Hawks over the air or something. I don't know. 
getting into the radio business, Russell, you got a career. But in terms of the football field, I think they too address some of their defensive kind of lacking the shortcomings in terms of players moving. And I have them taking Cleveland Farrell, defensive lineman from Clemson, gets back to getting a stout pass rush up front, maybe trying to rebuild reminiscent of the Legion of Boom from yesteryear where defense was their calling card. But, yeah, it's going to be built up through the draft, and I think Farrell, if you can pluck him in, he'd be a perfect fit right at home. All right. Another bird up on deck. Number 22, the Ravens. And the Ravens stick to what they do best, which is getting linebackers. And here I have not taken Jermaine Pratt, linebacker from North Carolina State. This is more of a kind of, again, a rebuild or trying to replace in however way you can the loss of Terrell Suggs, kind of the defensive leader. I think if you get a Jermaine Pratt, a guy that can play both inside and outside, has some versatility in. If he can develop a decent career, I mean, he's what Baltimore looks for. Strong linebacker, can just roam the middle of the field and make plays. Up next, the Texans. And the Texans, thinking back to the Panthers, it's all about protecting your star quarterback. And we know the injury concerns of Deshaun Watson still recovering from that ACL. And I have the Texans taking Dalton Risner, the offensive lineman from Kansas State. Because if you can keep Deshaun Watson upright just long enough, they'll make those scrambling plays that captivated us his rookie year, captivated us last year. And they can make a deep run and be a legitimate potential threat in the AFC as one of those dark horse teams. But it all, it all starts with up front. Raiders again at 24. And here the Raiders look to address some of their defensive efficiencies in terms of, hey, we actually need to get to the quarterback. Like, that would be a really good idea since, you know, we traded away Khalil Mack, who's top three player defensively in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think to address that gap a little bit, they bring in Christian Wilkins, the defensive lineman from Clemson who's both a locker room leader and, as we saw during the national championship game, he can make plays. And he can be both an end, he can play defensive tackle, but most importantly, he can get to that quarterback. The Eagles, 25. And here I've kind of switched back and forth between mock drafts. I've thought... Do you want to go offense, the weapon? Do you want to go defense, the sharp, the defense? But thinking back to the theme that I've had with a couple of teams, including two picks previously with Houston, it's about protecting your young quarterback. And here I have taken Andre Diller, the offensive lineman from Washington State, because we know Carson Wentz is he, – he wants to be kind of a Cam Newton light. He wants to be a big man. He wants to – take all the bruising catch. But after this injury in the season last year, and now that Foles is gone, so he is the guy, now you have to start thinking about protecting him for the long term. 
getting offensive linemen to shore up kind of that pass protection. And I think Dillard, best available lineman left on the board, at the 25th pick, and it'll be a simple plug-and-play. You'll get a good 10, 12 years out of him. <laughs> wow. 26. Colts. It's picking on the defensive side, or going back to the defensive side of the ball, I haven't taken Jonathan Abram, the safety from Mississippi State. In Indianapolis, you're looking at one of those teams that, hey, we're thinking about rebuilding, but oh, wait, we're actually good, and in this division, literally anyone can win. And so last year, you had a magical run to the playoffs where they made a little bit of noise, and so you think, okay, address some of your deficiencies, Look at the secondary, Abram, or Abram is a plug-and-play. He can start right away. I think he'd be a perfect fit in Indianapolis. Maybe bring back a little bit of that Bob Sanders a little bit. Bob Sanders, wow. you bringing back an old name there who hasn't played in a few ye- years. Pretty yeah, much his heyday he- was 10, 10, 13 years ago back when they won the Super Bowl back in 06, I believe. Yeah, but if if he can be right, if Abram can come in and play like Bob Sanders, he'll not only be a fan favorite, but it'll make teams, you know, think twice about throwing deep, especially when you're looking at a, hey, Houston, you have the Deshaun Watson guy. Abram, no fly zone. Hmm, that is true. Raiders again at 27. And I think this is the third first-round pick. This is always the one that I've seen in a lot of mock drafts go a bunch of different ways. And this is also the pick of the three where I think it's the biggest question marks can be raised or the biggest flags could be raised. Would I be surprised if they traded this pick to another team to bump into the first round like a Dallas Cowboys, like the Chicago Bears? No. Would I be surprised if they kept this pick? No. But I haven't taken Josh Jacobs, the running back out of Alabama, just to give Derek Carr some ease so he's not the only one running the offense. It gives him a good option. We've seen Jacobs do a little bit of pass catching out of the backfield in college. But I think if you can get a guy like Jacobs who can be in every down back, pair him with now arriving at Tony Brown, you have a little bit of a trio there that can provide a little bit of magic in Oakland. I mean, as long as Gruden doesn't find a way to screw it up. <laughs> he said it's screwed in this one. Number 28, the L.A. Superchargers. And the L.A. Chargers, some people say, hey, is it time for Phil Rivers? to retire, stop casting these checks, and actually go home and spend time with your kids? Maybe. Well, his maybe ninth, he just had his ninth kid, so. And so maybe, that, maybe that's why he's sticking around as long as possible, because those game checks will pay for these kids' colleges for the rest of time. But shout-out to Phil Rivers, nine. You're two away from a, you know, a full starting 11 on defense. More often. So, congratulations to those loins in that bolo tie. But, 
But in terms of the on-field success for the Chargers, I haven't taken DeAndre Baker, a cornerback from Georgia. This is, again, thinking about reloading teams that are picking here at the end of the first round or the teams that throughout the regular season last year were the perennial favorite to make it out of their respective division. And I think if you add Baker to an already young but talented defense, and in particular a young but kind of talented secondary, I think that could add just a little bit more pressure to a particular team within their division who has a high-powered offense. Mm -hmm. But then also thinking about a deep playoff run when it's more passing, more passing. You want to have a good secondary cornerback who can be consistent and confident, not just in his press coverage, but if you need a lockdown man, he's your guy. Hmm. Up next, the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes had a hell of a season at number 29. What do they do here? Kareem Hunt started out, obviously, first part of the season, and then obviously he got in some transgressions off the field. Do they replace him with a a running game now or what? I have seen the mock draft, and actually my mock draft 2.0, I had them taking David Montgomery, the running back from Iowa State. But is this? Mock draft here, this official NFL draft day special. I haven't taken Byron Murphy, the cornerback from Washington, just because if you look at the playoff run, yes, offensively they were powerful. They were able to light up the scoreboard almost every week. But when it came time for crunch time, it was their secondary that really let them down. It was a secondary that gave up big plays and situations where if you just had a little bit better secondary or cornerback play, you know, of course of events, you never know what happens, but it can keep your defense in games. And I think Byron Murphy, you know, in that class of best cornerback in this draft with Greedy Williams and DeAndre Baker, I think if you bring in Murphy, he'll start away right away, start week one, be an impact corner, and you, he can be dependable and reliable in those games where if it's a shootout, hey, he can come up with a big-time interception. Hmm. Green Bay again at 30. And this is going to pick on the offensive side of the ball. And here I think they look at seeing Jimmy Graham kind of getting up there in age, Mercedes Lewis on a one-year deal. And so I think... Going back to what Green Bay loves best, which is your tight end. I haven't taken Noah Font, the tight end from Iowa. Second best tight end in the draft class behind his college teammate. And yeah, just, again, keeps Aaron Rodgers as young as possible, gives him another weapon to play with, a big target, someone who's physical, who can be not only molded, but can develop into a premier tight end in this league. And so I think there'll just be another weapon for Aaron Rodgers to play with. (laughs) Now the L.A. Rams at 31. And the Rams, I haven't, this is one of the switches from my previous mock draft. I haven't taken Garrett Bradbury, an offensive lineman from NC State. And this is more about replenishing 
and getting younger on the offensive line. You think about kind of the star on that line, Andrew Woodworth. He's, you know, 37 years old. He's only got so many years left in taking. So if you can bring in a guy who can be his replacement, who can learn from his years of NFL experience. But then it's also thinking about making run lanes for Todd Gurley or C.J. Anderson. It's about keeping Jared Goff upright for, you know, as long as he needs. And so, whereas a lot of mock drafts that I've seen, including some of my own previous ones, thinking, hey, you want to go offense here, look at what happened with the wide receivers. It was kind of a who's who. Look at T.J. Anderson being brought off the street, and next thing you know, he's running roughshod in the NFC playoff. And so you thought about, do you go younger here? But I think if you can protect the front seven, or if you can protect the front line and defend from the opposing defensive front seven, I think on day two, when there is a plethora of running backs going to be available, you can find that backup or complementary piece to Todd Gurley with no problem. Or you can find that wide receiver that can step in and either be your automatic number two or number three with no problem. Hmm. Up next, the last pick, the Patriots at 32. Of course, because they just keep winning Super Bowls regardless of the controversy. They're always in it. <laughs> you know, always in that 30 to 30, you know, 31 or 32 spot. And I think here, they're probably going to surprise people by its position of need. And I think if Montez Sweat is still on the board, the edge rusher from Mississippi State to play with the heart condition, I think the New England Patriots will be that team to be like, hey, well, let's take a flyer on them. Just because they do need edge rush badly. And I think we saw, even in the Super Bowl, yes, their defense was great. And it was because of their defensive front, getting pressure on Jared Goff, making them nervous. And I think adding a versatile kind of athletic playmaker from the edge like Sweat, I think would make the Patriots that much better. I know some people think that if Bond is still there at 32, do they go tight end to replace Gronkowski? Yeah, that's possible. But is that really the New England Patriots way to get a tight end in the first round? Or are they going to find a guy you know, third or fourth round that's going to turn into an all-pro and be like, really, New England? Like, again? And so I think right now, it's a position that you need that can be an impact and make your team that much better, and that's Montez Flat. That's nice. So we got right there, we have all of the picks, all 32 of them for your mock draft. Are you excited for the uh, draft to be coming up, David? I have, and usually kind of the thing about a round like this where a team has multiple first-round picks is that you never know if they're willing to trade down, if they're willing to amass picks, and we've seen it in the past couple of years. Teams have wanted to, you know, go big or go home, trading into the top five, the top ten, to get last year it was all kinds of quarterbacks. I think that this year I wouldn't be surprised if it was more Go get your linebacker. Go get your defensive lineman. Go get your pass rush so that you can find the next Khalil Mack or find the next Aaron Donald in particular. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about teams like the Dallas Cowboys who don't have a first-round pick, 
do they try to sneak into the first round? Thinking about your Chicago Bears, do they try to sneak into the first round? Thinking about a team like the Saints, who are that close, do they try to, you know, get a you know, trade up into the first round? There's so many teams that are playoff teams that are trying to get that much better that don't have a first-round pick. And then you look at a team like the Raiders, who have the Bears' first-round pick from this year, or the Packers, who have the same first-round pick that they traded last year. And so it's kind of it's always interesting to see the pieces that are moving around on that day one because it really does set the tone for not just that first round, but how all the teams draft day two in particular. Hmm. And the Bears, I know, don't have a first-round pick. Yeah, they, they traded away for some guy named Khalil Mack. Yeah, well, I think that they, was well they, worth it. <laughs> I think he went to Buffalo. A lot yeah. of people had never heard of him, and then he just kind of just go, like, oh, yeah, look, that guy's good. Yeah, they, 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 they realize it out there in Oakland. Any uh, plans the rest of the uh, day, of uh, David, as the uh, day is winding down and you got your mock draft? The draft, by the way, starts on Thursday. Starts so on Thursday until then. Watch a little NBA basketball. Three series are over. One is officially over. Two are sorry, three nil, so it's just basically over. But yeah, college NBA basketball, fine tuning, playoff season. The magic is here. Mm-hmm. Oh, and baseball. Yeah, a meaningless baseball. <laughs> if you want to. Yeah, be yeah it's baseball. Yeah, but you know, like, you like baseball anyway. Well, David, man, thanks so much for calling in, man. All right, no problem. See you next week. Yep, next week, man. That was David, the man of God, Harris here on 88.3 WTs. After further review, as he uh, hangs up the phone, thanks for him calling in and uh, getting us some of that uh, good uh, pre-draft mock draft for you. And we didn't get Frank McShay because he was busy with everything, so we got David on here for you. So make sure you check us out on... 88.3 WGTs after further review on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And like I said, when you listen to us, give us a rating on iTunes. Coming up next, more after further review after this. 